This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hold to him! Yes, and what do you do? I speak baby. Of course you do. Dear Lord, how do you cope with all that ego? Oh, he's very difficult sometimes, but he has great knowledge, gentleness. So this is me, popping in and popping out again. But you say that to all girls. Well, that killed the mood. Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we're a couple of guys and a couple of journalists who love Doctor Who, have written about it, love to podcast about it, love to trip through its history for the first or the second time, or the third or fourth or fifth time, mm-hmm. depending depending on the story. And uh, we have landed once again in New Who territory. Yes. There's the a lot story. of new who territory. I got to say, when we started this journey, Chris, I was like, yes. "Well, we're I, 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 I just because I grew up with Doctor Who, the classic series, and I knew like it was huge then. Like it just seemed it was massive amount of TV to watch. Yeah. When we started this, I was thinking, well, we might not go too many like new who's. The ratio would be mostly classic. But now, like that, that hasn't been the case. And actually, when I look at like the Codex, which is <laughs> our list of all the episodes, all the stories, the new who's been around right for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. this. New who's got <laughs> a very respectable amount of stories in it now, and I don't know the exact proportion. Uh, I imagine mm-hmm. Classic Who still has more hours of television uh, if you counted them all. But um, there's, there's, you know, we've we've been batting on both sides of this. Uh, pretty evenly so far. Yeah, in, t- in terms of hours, I think you're possibly right. In terms of numbers, so we have 299 stories, discrete right, so stories. roughly 300. Uh, yeah, actually, we should say we've, we're recording this post-Eve of the Daleks, so it has gone up to 299. That's right. That's right. We had to uh, update the codex. It's, it's a very exciting time when that happens. And the switch between old and new who is at 159. So there still is. Oh wow! So it is. It's roughly, but it is roughly halfway. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it makes sense that we we've sort of done roughly fifty fifty, but it's not even at all, as you ex- expect from randomness. Uh, you know, we've we've had a fair amount of Tom Baker, but it's all sort of bunched up. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with same with Peter Davison, you know, and there there are just sort of vast gaps in our experience. And you you are uh, linking, I believe, in the show notes to the pull to open codex. If you want to check it out at home, uh, go, go see where we've been and where we have still to go. And where we have still to go is to a lot of Daleks and Cybermen. Yeah. Well, uh, not to mention Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. There's two yep. old doctors. We've, we've actually never visited. Yeah. That don't exist. Yeah. That don't exist. Yes. We've been erased from time. <laughs> gotta we go have check to bring them out. back. Yeah. They must be in the death zone. <laughs> It, but anyway, it's been it's been a great journey. We've been uh, really excited to go on it with everyone, and uh, especially our folks, uh, our friends on TikTok. Mm. Uh, the TikTok channel is still growing fast. Uh, we love all the attention, all the videos. Uh, we love the comments. Uh, what I've found is that you guys really like the new Who, which is 
shocking. Um, Makes sense. And uh, there was there was actually a lot of chatter around midnight. Uh, mm. One of our our most recent new <clears throat> prior to this one. And <clears throat> Chris, I remember you kind of sort of said at some point you kind of thought it was forgotten. According to our Uh-oh. fans, it is not forgotten. <laughs> oh, people oh, really boy. really like that episode. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of good discussion about the monster or lack thereof, uh, on our TikTok. So go check that out. Uh, Yeah, I I have, I'll I'll just interject that I I have met someone who started listening to the podcast recently. Uh, and, uh, they, they said midnight was one of their favorite stories. So I stand corrected (laughs) as, as I often stand on TikTok, I stand corrected. Yeah, but TikTok's been great. Um, we, we keep uploading the videos. We're trying to get it almost at a daily cadence. Uh, we're doing our best. But uh, yeah, keep checking them out. Uh, keep telling your friends about it. Where We really want to push for 10,000. We're at about 3,300. I know it's an ambitious goal, um, you know, but I think we can get there. I think, you know, you guys are such great fans. Tell your friends about the podcast. Tell them about the TikTok. And uh, go ahead and follow us everywhere. Why not? Instagram, Twitter. Pull to open yeah. or pull to open sixty three, depending on the network. Um, and and ten thousand is really not not that much, not that you know bad of a goal to set. I think, given that we regularly get more than that on individual TikToks, right? One from midnight got thirty one thousand, for hmm. example, uh, and that's not anywhere oh, yeah. near our record. So, yeah, uh, follow us on TikTok, and you know, old Foo who fans, come join us on TikTok. Come on in; the water's lovely. Yeah, and we might even uh, maybe we'll try a, a live at some point. Maybe we could do that. We'll, we'll do a live podcast recording on TikTok. I'm just Ooh. throwing that out there. I didn't even. This is totally unedited. Uh, <laughs> whoa, uh, whoa, we're doing this live, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I don't even heard that that was a thing you could do on TikTok. You'll you'll be able to see what's edited out, which is like virtually nothing. I will say, oh, but geez. it's uh, yeah. This, <laughs> we could have some some moments. That make it into the live, so uh, and we could even do something live. We could for our patrons on TikTok. We yeah. do a special episode, indeed. Uh, you only access there, so yeah, it, it is surprising how good a format TikTok is for the discussion of Doctor Who. And you know, we we put all that B roll in there from the show, and it's kind of become mm-hmm. very visual experience. I, I love watching those things. So I'm I'm kind of even though I'm kind of of the generation that doesn't really get TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm falling into it through the pull to open account. So yeah, I think we've out. cracked the code, Chris, on bridging <laughs> the gap of the generations. The pull to open channel is bringing mm. in Gen X and Gen. What was before X? Boomers. Yeah, those. Yeah. All no. of them. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, boomers. The previous oh, regenerations. We'll just call them. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah. Please follow us there. Also, uh, I know those of you who might not be on TikTok going, damn, how do I support the show? Like, I'm not going to download TikTok. I don't want to give my data to another social network. I get it. Well, here's how you can support the show. You can go to the service you're listening to this podcast on and please leave a review. Those really, really help us get the podcast uh, into the ears. I almost said eyeballs. The ears of more people. Uh, That sounds actually kind of strangely more insidious. But Mm. Do you know what I mean? Please go to yeah. the service that you're listening to this on. Please leave us a review. Again, we don't want to tell anyone what to write, but we love, love, love those five-star reviews because they also make the most difference in getting us visible on the service that you're on. So and the review can review. be as simple as just give us an emoji thumbs up. I mean, seriously, just, exactly. just how, how long is that going to take you? Just go yeah. to it right now while you're listening. I mean, what else are you doing? Driving? Come on. <laughs> when, you're, when you're stopped... The next light. Exactly. The next yes. stoplight. I guarantee it will take you less time than the light for the light to change. <laughs> there we go. 
we, we have to fill in these moments as best we can. Exactly. Um, so, shall we talk about the episode that we went to? Yeah, let's do it. The story we went to. Closing time. Yes. Hot off the heels um, of our Image of Fendal podcast. We yes. are now at closing time. And it's super weird for, for a number of reasons. We First of all, we were, we were right at the God Complex. Yeah, which is the a little bit ago. episode right. before closing time. Then we go, we went from God Complex to Green Death to Image of Fendal. I can't even remember that sounds right. where we've recently been, but that's a, they're all in the mix of recent Feel shows. Right. And, <laughs> and it's it's been a while, but now here we are back at, at a moment that is actually 200 years later than the previous episode, so that's kind of interesting, than, than the God Complex. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I kind of feel, Pete, like the, the randomizer is testing the limits of our uh, question of what makes a story, what makes a discrete story in, in Doctor Who, which is what we had to tackle before we started this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. The thing about closing time is it makes such a good pairing with The Lodger. Yes, the, totally. Uh, the other uh, a... show starring this character, Craig, played by a guy named James... Corden, <laughs> some guy who is now guy. For, long forgotten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he, if really he, well, if, best known for his work on Doctor Who, though. Really, really best known for that. And if maybe if he'd appeared more times, he he would have hit the big time. But you know, he, mm-hmm. he might be on screen in America today. You never know. Um, yeah, he's quite good. He's, uh, he's pretty good say, in this. When you say two hundred years later, you're talking about the Doctor's personal time yes. stream, I believe. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, just so unclear. It, I was a little confused there. At the end of the God Complex, and we'll get into the yeah. TLDW of it uh, very shortly, but at the end of the God Complex, he drops off Amy and Rory, and then he, uh, in closing time, he's about to die. So, you know, on the shores of Lake Silencia, when we know he's 200 mm-hmm. years older, so he's been traveling for 200 years between these episodes, and Randomizer is sort of, uh, I think, winking at that fact, taking us on a little diversion before it comes back. But it's also testing us because it's saying, would you watch Closing Time without the Lodger? You know, they make such a good pair. Mm-hmm. How about I throw them at you in the wrong order? Right, Which right. has effectively done. Someday it will take us to the Lodger, right? And then we'll we'll recall this. And it's, it's a very timey-wimey way to experience Doctor Who, but it's also a little infuriating if you love both episodes, as I do to have mm. to watch them in this order. Uh, and uh, and then the other thing that it is testing is the fact that season six of the new show, which is what this is, is kind of one long story in right. a way, which we get to see at the end of Closing Time when, when the, there's this little coda, like this little pre-credits, uh, you know, it's like a pre-credits, post-credits sequence, as we might right. call it today where uh, River is um, basically taken to the astronaut con- costume and Lake Silencio and, you know, the, the moment where she's going to kill the Doctor at the beginning of the next episode. So Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, and I don't want to get too far into it in, mm. before we do the TLDW, but, mm. um, yeah, this is an interesting place to go because of all the stuff that's um, what they were trying to do in this season in Series 6. So it was more arc plotty than even the last season with the cracks in time or the yeah. previous season. And, um, this one definitely beyond just the, the code at the end, it definitely has, um, something ominous in the background throughout. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that, that, so it's very interesting to watch it out of order and thinking about sort of revisiting this very specific time in the doctor's timeline 
which is yeah. kind of unique for other reasons. But let's get to it all in a minute. Mm. Um, because you have exactly a minute, Chris. Uh, oh boy. To summarize uh the story here. Yes, it's time for our favorite feature on Pull to Open TLDW, Too Long Doctor Who, or Too Long Didn't Watch, but we know you all watched it. Um, <laughs> but we need to go over all the basics before we can yeah. get to the good stuff. So, Chris, are you ready? Yeah, let, let me just close the loop on what I was saying by saying I, I, I think the the randomizer was testing us, but I think we uh, I think we won. I think we had a good experience with this episode anyway. Yeah, and I loved seeing it again. Well, the uh, randomizer said, "Wow, we worship the randomizer now." Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> we, we do. We stand. We stand a randomizer. Um, but yeah, I, I I feel I feel actually quite confident about TLDW today. I, I feel like it's a it's a nice simple story. We, we've said that before and we've gone over <laughs> the minute mark but um but i think i'm, I'm feeling good uh for, as regular listeners know we're doing this live without a net without any yep. notes in front of us merely from the top of my head and the memory of having watched it two days ago um i'm going to summarize the entire history of closing time in one in minute, a minute so. what yep all I'm right ready. sir you had better start in three two one go Okay, so the doctor's old friend Craig uh, is uh, a father now. He's got a baby, and the baby is called Alfie, but the baby calls itself Stormageddon because the doctor can speak baby. And the doctor's come back to visit Craig, uh, and he's sort of ignoring all of this stuff that's going on, flashing lights, people disappearing in a local department store. Uh, but he can't ignore it because he's the doctor, so he goes to work in the department store and uh, discovers that there, there are Cybermen underneath it, and they're, they're converting people. And Craig comes along and helps him to investigate with Alfie slash Stormageddon in a papoose, uh, Amy Pond. And Rory are briefly in the store, uh, but the doctor doesn't uh, go to say hi to them because he's he's sad because he's about to die. And uh, uh, he they basically Craig and the doctor go and they investigate the Cybermen ship uh, while the baby's upstairs. And uh, Craig almost gets converted, but then he hears Alfie crying and he breaks out of the conversion because of the power of love. And he defeats the Cybermen, this tiny Cybermen unit. And uh, and the doctor basically makes him good dad, cleans up the house, and then goes off uh, into the TARDIS and runs away for hours. Time. <laughs> wow. I didn't quite get to the coda, nice. but yeah, yeah the story right. of right. closing time story. itself. Yeah, I missed. What did I miss? I missed the Cybermat bitey. A little bit, and them getting kind of mistaken for partners. Yes, uh, here and there, but that's probably more background than than key plot elements. But yeah, no, you 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 nailed it. Um, it is a simple story. Yeah, which yeah. I like about it. Yeah. It's not universe-shattering stakes. Well, I, um, exactly what they were trying to do, certainly. Mm. Like, basically, the because the, the, the following episode is about to go into those full-on universe-shattering yes. stakes. So there's no question they wanted, okay, well, we got to do something a little lighter, better paced, better, um, more personal, um, and give sort of this picture of what where the doctor's at. Like, yeah his vibe and his mental state as he sort of goes into this inevitable thing that he thinks he has to go through, which is obviously getting killed at the, at the lake uh, later. And so, it's really, it's really about, it's really an episode that is about um, the doctor and his human friends. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, get quite into the debate yet about whether Craig is or is not a companion. He's a mate. Mm -hmm. He's clearly a mate. He's, he's a friend of the doctor and they are mistaken for more than friends. Uh, I think with good reason, because there's good chemistry between them. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and it's so much of the episode is about why the doctor needs human beings around. 
I mean, at, at first, there's, there's one hilarious line, one of many, many beautiful, hilarious lines in this episode, where the Doctor basically reveals that he he takes a human companion around because it's the equivalent of walking around a department store with a baby to get people to talk to you, because the baby's cute. People <laughs> yeah. like you having a baby with you because it's something to talk about. And that's, the Doctor is comparing this in a very insulting, you know, but blithe way that the Doctor has to... This is why he keeps a human companion around at all times. We're basically his babies wandering through the cosmos with him. Well, um, and, and specifically, I think all that really works for the Matt Smith version of yes. the Doctor. And I got to say, he is like at his finest here in terms of his bonkers, off the wall nature, which I don't know if this is something uh, James Corden brings out of him, the character brings out of him, the, the how these, these episodes are written brings out of him. But like Matt Smith is like full on. Like it's such a it's such a great double act, right? And it's yeah. if you know we were cheeky about James Corden before, but it's a, it's a fun reversal for even knowing the that actor slash yes. performer because he is usually the funny guy, and here he is the straight man to Matt Smith's doctor who is absolutely nuts. Um, and and there's so <laughs> many hilarious lines, and it's you're at the point where, um, like I I can't even and this, I mean this in a good way, like I can't. No, I'm not sure when to take him seriously yeah. about what he talks about. Like he speaks baby, which I know this isn't the first time he's said it, but yeah, it's good, like, good man goes to war was his it, first speaking a baby. But I, I feel like it's, it's such a, a good question. Like, is he just putting people on? Like, and he's just kind of making <laughs> stuff up. Cause I think I, that's kind of what it feels like to me. Like he's just sort of like uh, being a funny dude and, you know, reading the baby a little bit and just, pretending like he's, he's uh, hearing what they're saying. Uh, you, know. you, you can never quite tell with the Doctor, because he, he does like his straight-faced japes. Yeah. Uh, he, he just absolutely loves that. But I think with, with the Doctor, I mean, you know, rule number one, the Doctor lies, so we, sure. we don't fundamentally know. But I, I would sort of take him at his word more often than not. Um, and he certainly demonstrates in this episode that he can get a human being of... Uh, perhaps less than average IQ to go to, to shush once mm -hmm. when, he, when he says shushed. <laughs> and this happens three times during the episode. It's a wonderful comic moment. But yeah, the I range, the mm -hmm. range that Matt Smith displays in this episode is phenomenal. He goes from being the most haggard, uh, you know, down at heel, kind of, I'm going right. to die, kind of. And and Matt Smith really, in, in terms of his eyes, when when he wants to look tired, Oh boy, mm -hmm. he he can he can look every one of the doctor's two thousand years. Yeah, he can turn you know? it on in a heartbeat. Really yeah. can. He is, you know, there's a great great line from Day of the Doctor where uh, Clara compliments the the War Doctor's eyes and how how young they look, and mm -hmm. and Matt Smith really has the opposite. He really has the oldest eyes of any Doctor, I believe. Well, and I like uh, that bit at the end where he's sort of talking to the kids and looking at them and, and turning yeah. on the very eyes we're talking about. And he was, you know, just say, let tell them I was here to help. I, I was it was that what he says? I was here to help. I was here to help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah, I think that's a beautiful scene. Well, I also just think that's a beautiful tagline for the doctor. Mm -hmm. that here to help. I mean, it's just like that's mm -hmm. that's you could I could see that on like DVD covers even. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, Hello, I'm the doctor. Here. I'm here to help. Yeah. Um, wouldn't go down well in America. I think it might persuade might remind people of the the whole I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Oh right, thing right. That, Reagan said was the scariest sentence in the English language, but certainly works in other countries. Um, but anyway, he goes to, he goes the range of that extremely sad, extremely dark to playing with toys and right. talking to kids on their level about, you know, 
that your parents are only going to waste this money on like uh, what was he even saying? Mortgages vegetables and, stuff? and vegetables. lamps. <laughs> vegetables and lamps. You'll find your parents in lamps. I love that whole segment. <laughs> where he, he's he's playing with a little Ibo-like dog, and he says it's not as fun as I remember robot dogs being. Yeah, By the way, I, another reason for the randomizer to take us here after Image of Fendal, which features the, do- the doctor basically claiming canine as <laughs> his own dog. So it's a nice contrast there. But the, also, the, the joy... one actually has canine. yeah he's kind of broken in both sides of it yeah yeah exactly which is sort of like you know you could summarize the image of fendal as the robot dog's not as much fun as i remember right right yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so this kind of kind of works for that reason but but the joy in his eyes in those scenes he's flying helicopters and just he's he's so proud to have gotten a job in a shop Mm -hmm. which by the way i i know that there was a mini sewed before closing time that deals with right. with craig and the baby and 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 his uh his partner and uh but i really well, think that there needs to be a minisode showing how the did the doctor get a job yeah that would be like, amazing is yeah, it mini, does he that would have been a better f- choice flashes psychic paper and just like oh yeah sure your name is the doctor on this official form that i'm filling in with your you know national insurance number and everything else that you had to do to get a job in the uk well and i I love that he's instantly the most popular worker yes at the department store um just just you know just like that because that's that's you kind of get it like you kind of believe it even though there's no obviously a lot of stuff happened off screen for that to happen Mm -hmm. but he, could, he vouches for Craig at one point, and the security guard's just like, "Oh yeah." Then if the doctor says you're cool, that's fine. Um, it's it's yes, like after Craig has the laughs, most, but you're 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 yeah. kind of right there with it. Like he's just kind of like, "Yeah, he's the doctor. He came in, won everybody over." Doesn't he do that like pretty much every episode anyway? So, which is interesting because of course again this follows the God complex where the doctor runs up against that the questioning that. Uh, is asked of him in that episode of like why do you just assume you can come around and tell us what to do and interact with us and well i was actually thinking you were you were going to mention the the midnight midnight as well yeah yeah. like reversal of that yes we talked a lot about that in the midnight episode yeah exactly exactly it's it's sort of been a theme with the randomizer recently so it's Mm -hmm. it's nice to see the doctor not just going back to being Mr. Popular, but also remembering why he likes humans and why he needs us. Well, and how and much they matter to him. I, yeah. I know it's just dialogue and we never see his, the thing. I forget even the thing he was trying to get to, this cosmic event that only happens once. But he, even for him, even though he's yes. got a time machine, he only has like one shot to go to it. And he skips it just to help Craig clean up his apartment so that it's all spotless and perfect for when Sophie yeah. comes home. And he has that line, you know, well, um, you know, I couldn't leave my mate in the lurch. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a nice heartfelt moment. It's one of these things like if you've ever watched how I met your mother mm. and been shocked about how that show could actually affect you sometimes, mm. which I certainly was um, it, it very much reminded me of that. And it's probably one of the reasons that, for closing time for me, even though it might not be my favorite episode, it's an episode I would certainly recommend people new to the show watch. Yes. Um, because it is delightful and heartfelt. And like it's almost like that final scene with him and um, uh, Craig is all the comedy is almost leading up to that, right? Like it, it, it's you're, you, you, you laugh and you win them over and you want to see these people succeed. And then 
that that ex- that scene at the end just has that extra emotional punch like oh yeah. wow they they really they really love each other you know they they really yeah. are like friends and you want the doctor to have that because he's so clearly not functioning well on his own mm. and, and so yeah. clearly troubled so clearly just down and having a bad time as we all are sometimes and it's kind of it's it's a beautiful mirror of those moments in our life where we we need a mate but we don't realize it and speaking of that, is this a good time to go into the 200-year gap? Yes. So Let's, Let us fly straight into that 200-year gap. Yeah. We so, have one shot to do it in the TARDIS. Uh, just I, like Exodor. First of all, I want to say I'm, I'm kind of surprised this isn't talked about more either within the show or in fandom. Mm. This gap between the God Complex and Closing Time where apparently the Matt Smith doctor lives 200 years of adventures mm-hmm. either on his own. I mean, it's, it's a thing that's fascinating and it, it's, I, I, I like the idea of this sort of mystery time he had just because there's a lot to unpack there if everyone ever wants to, but I'm also like a little bit annoyed at Stephen Moffat for, for deciding on a massive scale just for the heck of it, right? Because he doesn't really do anything with it. Like, there's, mm. he, as far as we can tell, Matt Smith is still, you know, cares about Amy and Rory the same way. He still is basically the same guy who left, right? There's no like memory gaps or whatever, or me- even references to anything that happened. Yeah. So, well, time you, you, you is kind of like, yeah. First of I, all, I just, time, time is a little out of joint in this episode. We should mention, right? Because it is both before and after. Lake Silencio, mm. right? Because we we see the we see Amy and Rory clearly in their post Doctor life mm-hmm. after the God Complex, you know. And Amy's become famous. Right. She's on the the perfume ad for Petrichor, which is a a, a shout out to the Doctor's wife, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the girl who's tired of waiting, and that's that's a wonderful scene. So we're clearly meant to think it's after all the Lake Silencio events, but it's also before according to the date on the newspaper and the fact that the doctor flies to America at the end of it or goes to America at the end of it and picks up his yeah. Stetson from Craig. So it's both before and after. And this, I, I, so I give, I give Moffat some leeway here because first of all, time is about to go seriously out of joint at the beginning of uh, the wedding of Riverside. True. But also I kind of like the idea that the doctor just sort of has a missing 200 years that he can't remember what he did with. Cause isn't that the same with all of us as we get older? You're kind of like, wait, it's 2022. How did it was? <laughs> it was just 2017 a minute ago. And for a time you know I mean? that would be like would be <laughs> exactly. hundreds of years. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure he was just like reading the paper and lost track of time. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I just feel like if you're going to pick that number for whatever reason, 200 years, um, like give it some thought. You know, mm-hmm. like what what happened, like. Like there, I it just seems like it's a real missed opportunity because I do like the idea, but if it was two hundred years, you think he would have been like had some companions in the meantime, and maybe even yeah. people that meant more to him than maybe and Rory, and uh, you know, saved the universe on a few bunch of other levels, and uh, you know, just it's sort of this this weird minimizing thing that you almost feel like, well, for that to make any sense, you 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 kind of need him to do something either similar to what he did in this last episode where he mm. lives, I think, almost a thousand years or something on, on the Christmas planet, or yep. put him in stasis or something like that. Because um, it's just, it's a, it's a, 
it's a thing that that confounds me as a as a fan who wants to sort of know everything about the doctor's life like like what happened you know like what's like there could be like you know, books and books and books and books in there well uh, i tell you what we should do maybe we should start this campaign right here and now on pull to open uh we've got rtd returning Ooh, we yeah. we hope that Matt Smith is going to come back for the 60th anniversary anyway. Right. Let's just have RTD writing Matt Smith uh, wow. and writing writing that 200 year gap. Do it. Just telling. Yeah. I mean, don't put what, him in a confession dial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't even to my mind. I mean, you know, that that's a whole other debate we can have when we watch Heaven Sent. But to my mind, that that d- did not really age. Yeah. It doesn't count. Didn't age the Doctor because he was just one day old. Yeah. Uh, or you know, one day older. Right. No, agreed. Say. I think that's the consensus. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Man. So even yeah. though he somehow felt all that pain of his other teleported cells. Um. But yeah, so let's start that campaign. And and while I mention the word teleport, let's. <laughs> I feel like we need to start a uh, a new segment here on Pull to Open, which is Star Trek references we totally forgot about. <laughs> That's in, true in Doctor Who because we said low those many episodes ago. That I believe was it was it uh, uh, the Lie of the Land. We said um, we thought maybe had the only Star Trek reference in Doctor Who. Was it the lie of the land? I mean, I think that was the second one. The one was, oh God, now someone, someone's going to have to, I can't even remember our own continuity now. <laughs> uh, there, there were a couple. We need to uh, add it oh, to the no, spreadsheet. It was, it was oxygen. Space yeah. final frontier. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Right there at the cold open. Yeah. And then someone said, uh, we, 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 then we went to the lie of the land. Mm. And then, oh no, the, you're right, you're right, because that was the first one, the lie of the land, but we weren't counting mm-hmm. them then. Then it was oxygen. Then we were like, then we remembered the lie of the land, and then there was <laughs> another one with Klingon, right? That was in, yeah. yes, uh, in, Cl- in the, in the God, God complex. complex. So this is two Star yeah. Trek references in a row, chronologically speaking. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then this one is it's it's right there in your face. I can't believe I forgot it because Craig just directly references Star Trek. He just goes, "Oh, a teleport like a Star Trek transporter thing." Yeah, <laughs> and I think it might be one of the. It, this might be the only time the Doctor actually says the word Star Trek. Yes, because he responds, to, "Yes, <laughs> it's a Star Trek transporter thing," you know, like so very, that very might, might be notable impression. for that one. Um, <laughs> And then it actually looks like a Star Trek transporter, the little circular yeah. thing on top of the the elevator that the, the Cybermen put in there. Um, and it's 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 kind of cool how they designed that because it just looks so out of place and so like sixties sci fi tech. Uh, it like does out of um, you know like the day the Earth stood still or something like that. I I always have a problem with transporters, and it's the classic geek problem of you're basically you know addressed by heaven sent again. Uh, you know you're you're killing yourself every time and starting afresh with a new a new being. Mm. Uh, but I guess I transporters have been used multiple times in Doctor Who, and it's not anything out of the ordinary to see it here. Uh, yeah, and I, I it's one of those things where uh, you got to judge the use of the transporter on how gratuitous it is, how much of a Deus Ex Machina it is, um, and it is basically it's here is Chekhov's gun, it's Chekhov's yeah. tra- transporter with with apologies to the Enterprise's Chekhov. This is we this mean is, the author a, Chekhov. It's a tough thing in Star Trek too because Star Trek has to deal with this every episode, which is and mm. and they 
actually to some extent succeed like i mean but they don't always which is why don't they just use the transporter in to get them out of every single thing or solve every single problem right because um it can put things instantly virtually instantly like right next wherever you want them essentially yeah um so there's fewer trans teleporters in in doctor who uh but that that's essentially the same issue and you need to sort of contort your plot often to make sure that they can't just use it to get out of every single thing mm-hmm. um though though when when i like in some episodes when they realize they they almost step out of the show when they realize the transporter can get them out of the thing <laughs> and they just do it yep. you you're expecting some like that's a that could be a fun mislead um in this case i think it's fine it wasn't glaring to me at all i think the main thing i would say and this is in because it's in the hands of the cybermen mm. why um don't the cybermen just use it willy-nilly and it's obvious i mean it's power they're they, these yeah. are very struggling cybermen that are siphoning you know scraps of electricity from a department store just to yeah. survive that uh, it would make sense they didn't really have a lot of power to operate their uh, teleport willy nilly. So now they um, they they are very low powered Cybermen, and we we I do sense our Cybermen discussion hoving into view. So right. I want to I want to say before we get into that, I want to say something personal, particularly about Bitey the Cybermat. Oh yeah, that uh, my wife and I we 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 bonded over Doctor Who to start with. We watched it our entire relationship. We started watching. Mostly started watching the new show together. I was like a season ahead of her. I got a quarter. And uh, we, the audience we, here and oh, <laughs> and and then uh, we also developed over the years, as as one does in any relationship, uh, dumb little things. One of our dumb little things was we have these bitey creatures that that kind of talk to each other. And if you're okay. on YouTube right now, you can see that I'm demonstrating a bitey creature. And often <laughs> they are they are they are evil creatures. They sort of you can wake up with a bitey creature in your face if, if you know, you're, if about you're listening, to eat you. It's a sock puppet <laughs> minus the sock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, they they are sort of very base creatures and tend to enjoy fooling each other into being consumed. Um, but uh, so, but they're called. They, we call them the Biteys. And so, <laughs> for us to watch, oh, and I, I didn't actually remember until I rewatched it. But I now remember that we we loved this at the time. For us to watch a Doctor Who episode where that features the words "Come along, Bitey," uh, <laughs> nice. is was just very special for us. And therefore, I will defend this episode against against all comers. Uh, just just on that reason alone, the fact that there is a cybermat called Bitey, the fact that it allows the doctor to say that, just you know, very very special for personal reasons. Uh, get, to, but I, get an extra star from you, <laughs> indeed, six stars, six Ooh, stars for this nice. episode. Um, but also, I kind of like it when, uh, and it's not a thing that Doctor Who hasn't done before or, or since, right? This this sort of the idea of the lonely outpost. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the it's the uh, trope of the Japanese soldier after World War II, right? It's kind of that's kind of what we're facing here. It's the, the little lone outpost of sometimes it's Daleks, sometimes it's Cybermen, sometimes it's another villain or monster that we've never heard of before, and sometimes it's the good guys. Sometimes it's sort of a the rescue situation. Yeah, um, so, but I kind of like that. It's always a good way around uh, the the low budget needs. Uh, and, and I kind of like it when the monsters are a bit desperate and low powered and don't really have the the guns or 
you know, can't quite figure it out. And, and you kind of know that they're going to fail and they're, they're almost sympathetic because of that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. That's, um, and I, I, I will say I, I was much more, um, warm to that idea of, uh, this being a Cyberman episode with frankly quite pathetic Cyberman going in the second time and mm. could really appreciate all the chemistry and the, the story itself more. So I definitely came away really liking it uh, probably more this time, but I will say, well, first of all, I want to talk about Bitey, who is awesome. Bitey is like a great character in this <laughs> it episode. It really is. Like it just, the, the teeth mat, just appear out of nowhere. It's yeah, fantastic. It's, it's, um, it's uh, the Cybermat almost makes up for the Cyberman because first of all, it's the, it's the, first appearance of the cyber mat in the new series which is great uh that's a big fan pleasing moment and mm. it's it's upgraded i mean it really is i mean we haven't seen the cyber mets being actually cybernetic before with with uh, organic parts and they went out of their way to do that here and they made it really kind of scary and gross and uh fun all at the same time which I really, really liked. So, and, and it, you know, it gets to do some stuff. It's actually actively do, doing things like si- siphoning power. Um, and there's a, there's a great scene in Craig's kitchen where they're basically both yeah. terrified of it. And they sell that really well. They're kind of terrified of this thing that's flying out at them and yeah. around the kitchen. And I love the little behind the scenes detail that Matt Smith actually broke one of the cyber mats right. with a frying pan. <laughs> it was so in the moment. And this is this is the most Doctor Who moment ever that they just me- mended it with a piece of tape. <laughs> yeah, and it just carried on. Yeah, exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I I got that too in the little uh, behind the scenes bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's a t- it speaks to how much Matt Smith was into it, right? Like they were clearly like he's he's such a good actor, and he was obviously really delivering it in this episode. It's very apparent on screen, but um, he was super into the scene. Uh, mm. But like the designer, I, the designer talked about the Cybermat. I really liked that he based it on the classic designs, uh, didn't try to do something too different. And uh, it's, it's, it's really good. The only thing I would say, like what isn't what I do, actually, it has nothing to do with the Cybermat, but that the, uh, what I, what I didn't like is how they did stuff with the sonic screwdriver this episode, almost turning it into a weapon. Mm-hmm. Where you know it, it he kind of disables the the cybermat with it, which you kind of get, but he does it in such a almost violent way that it, it seemed a little out of character. He does, he uses this uh, again, the sonic screwdriver again in, in a similar way with I think in the cyber shift, where um, you actually see beams come out of it, which also mm-hmm. didn't seem right for me. Um, yeah, like with, to see the sonic screwdriver like shoot something out of it. That that's uh, I, I don't know what the choice was there, but I'm really glad it was a one-off thing. And I think people sort of uh, behind the scenes rightly recognized, you know, this is not really how the Sonic screwdriver should be used, you know, uh, both in, in terms of visually and it shouldn't feel like a violent thing, but it also yeah. like it, it, it's too much of a get it out of jail free card then if it could actually like hurt and disable the, the bad guys in a, in an overt way like that. Yeah. And it's especially in an episode where the, 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 the doctor sort of, you know, Doctor explains the Sonic to Craig, and Craig's like, "Can't, can't you turn that thing down?" Mm. And the Doctor's like, "It's a Sonic; it works by sound, <laughs> dummy." Um, and uh, yeah, then to have it work by light is a little weird, yeah. especially yeah. after he said that. So yeah, get get your Sonic, and it, it is sort of a problem with with Doctor Who, even 
even now, you know, there's a little over reliance of it on it with with thirteen with Jody. Uh, you know, you 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 wave it around, you make the noise, and then you look at it as if there's a readout on the screen. Um, right. You know, yeah. and that sort of covers just about anything. Learning about just about anything, uh, neutralizing just about anything. Um, it is sort of the the get out of jail free card of Doctor Who. And I always thought, just throwing out a fan times. theory here, and I'm not, mm. I'm sure I'm not the first to throw it out, is that even though there's no screen on the Sonic, I always kind of felt like the Doctor's low level telepathic skills are mm. somehow attuned to it. So it's, and either that or he's just so good at sort of reading whatever the very subtle light patterns and sounds it's making that he sort of gets the information he needs from it just by like waving it around um, yeah maybe there's some sort of implant or some way that that, that does actually throw up a screen in his eyes hmm. or her eyes uh, that we we just can't see as the yeah. audience rtd feel free to take that show us the <laughs> iron man view of the uh of the sonic use for the doctor that'd be neat um, I mean, season 14. Um, so let's get to the Cybermen. Yes. Now, okay. Look, uh, let's just start with giving like, what I said. They are not well treated in this episode. Now, even even taking your criticism or, or your observation into account, which is that these are sort of the last outpost Cybermen. They're desperate. Mm -hmm. That all makes sense. And I can I can forgive a lot given that, which is that they're weak. They're they don't have weapons. It's it's actually they're actually seem designed that way. That in this case they're they're even their chest units. They don't have the. I don't think they have any logo. Not even the Cybus logo, which is sort of a yeah. thing that fans like to spot. Is well, that was from the alternate universe Cybermen, right? Which which these are not. Right, which they uh, I don't think they could be. Yeah. Um, now I'll, I'll get the nitpick out of the way really quickly, which is that a cyber ship crashing somewhere in England two hundred years in the past doesn't fit into any part of Cyberman timeline at all. Mm. Um, this, you know, the, you could write around that easily why, with some kind of time ship or whatever. You're like, honestly, there's a million things you could do to write it, but it's yeah. not even, there's not even a line of throwaway dialogue that tries to send this into some continuity somewhere. It just, it's mm. Cyberman landed 200 years ago. I'm willing to go with it, but please respect the continuity is all I'm saying. <laughs> so, but the other thing is the, the worst thing they do in this whole thing is that for the Cybermen, it, even though it works as a story element, is that they convert Craig, or at least begin to convert Craig. I do, I do know they do sort of say begin. They're, they're doing the first stage of the conversion process, which is to remove emotions and apparently put the helmet on, which is weird. Yeah. But uh, and also in the weirdest way, where it welds down the middle, it's like, well, there's a lot, there's already a lot of seams on this thing. You don't have to have to weld it down the middle. That's really weird. But regardless. Sorry. You know, it's, it's very old. They're very old-fashioned Cybermen. That's the way they <laughs> used to do it two hundred years ago. Yeah. So, it, and what the, what happens is, Craig, you know, he has feelings for his baby. The love overpowers the process. Boom! Everybody, the Cybermen all explode, etc. What? Obviously, it's very hand wavy. Uh, it, it almost literally, like in terms of like how we're getting rid of the villains here. But it's also like it it takes away the Cybermen's most fearsome thing, which mm. is that conversion. You know that which is. Uh, done, I would say, extremely well in the Cybermen's first appearance in Age of Steel, where they convert the alternate Jackie, and mm -hmm. there, there's just this. I, I don't want to spoil episodes we haven't gotten to yet, but it's like the the there's this pathetic sort of line and very sad line that the alternate Pete has, where he's like, "Well, maybe we can reverse it." And the moment he says it, you know, you can't. 
you know, yeah. and, and that she's just gone and it's a horrific end. And that, that to me, like that, if you're going to do the Cybermen and you're going to have conversion even mentioned, like that, that's their whole thing. That's why they're horrific. That's why they're yeah. class A monsters in Doctor Who, you know, and to see that. But it like, isn't, see that it isn't the first time even, just, you know, as a fan of the Cybermen, you just kind of like, oh, that's. Well, we remember. Just, just give, give us a give it a give us a different monster, Moffat. You didn't you didn't <laughs> have to use the Cybermen here. It was clearly done for reasons that are for like you know flan pleasing and ratings, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Go ahead and do that for those reasons, but then don't do a rug pull and then make it look like make, make these monsters like really pathetic. Then uh, those of uh, people like me, like Cybermen, I mean, you could probably tell <laughs> they're they're my favorite monsters <laughs> in Doctor Who. Like it it just robs us of what we would like to see, which is a, a proper Cyberman episode where there really are a threat. Okay. Sure. And, 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 and I think that uh, this, this could be dealt with by uh, in, in the next time on, you know, the little trailer for closing time that shows you an image of the Cybermen. I think we just need sort of a flashing sign over the trailer that just says, not a full on Cybermen episode, don't get your hopes up, <laughs> or something like that. Like, yeah. Just set, set our expectations. Because I agree. Wait, wait until know, the you, next one, wait until Capaldi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see some good stuff. Um, but on the conversion front, I mean, we've also in our journey here seen Danny Pink. Right. Right. In, uh, why am I forgetting the name? Uh, Dark Water. Uh, Death Dark Water, yep. Dark Water Death in Heaven. We went there fairly on in our fairly early on in our journey, and he was he wasn't basically an unconverted Cyberman or half unconverted. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've seen the show play around with conversion and whether whether it is full on, whether it's not. The you know we we this works within canon because the alternate universe Cyberman that you're talking about, the converted Jackie, that could, they that could be a different process. It could be less reversible. You know, in the Cybermen in our universe that we also see in Dark Water, Death in Heaven, like their conversion could be a little more off. You know, in our universe, they, they didn't quite, you know, it's the it's the Windows rather than the Mac OS of conversion software. Uh, it kind of kind of breaks down and maybe there's a virus in it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, maybe, maybe we point. need something a little bit more hand wavy. I agree. We, you know, well, definitely I would got say that. They, they, I think it could have been mitigated, not solved with a couple of different choices Mm. um that would have been probably less dramatic unfortunately so i could see why they wouldn't do them but to your point about danny pink and everything i think you're right i think i I would say you're probably dead on in different cybermen and different conversion processes but i would also say in danny pink's case like he's pretty clearly like physically Mm. like altered in a way that looks irreversible you know like he doesn't he he is more of him left, but I don't think there there's any way back from to to normal human Danny Pink from there without something really sure. really, uh, you know, sci-fi happening. Now, and this is why when you're doing your cyber conversion, don't do the emotions first, people. <laughs> Just do do the body first. You know this this whole basically this this whole episode is is a, a training video for Cybermen yeah. uh, on how how not to do conversions. Absolutely. Right? Well, do I, the emotions first, then a, a, a baby's cry can just break through it. Yeah, yeah. Do the last. Do emotions mm. last, guys. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. The what they could have done was like simply don't do the mask, like the the, the helmet part, where mm. you know don't don't start doing physical things uh, that are sort of unnecessary um, to to 
underscore the point that he's losing his emotions. You could mm. have him sort of go in to more of a booth and have electrodes stick into his neck and then swat. And I think it would have been actually might have been better to watch his expression change, mm. you know, like happy go lucky Craig suddenly like, you know, he just suddenly looks super dead and, and cold yeah. slack jawed kind of yeah i i don't know i think even it's part of the maybe this is the problem with james gordon he just looks too lively in general he can't he can't play dead but uh i do i do want to absolve moffat from from both of the problems here first of all choosing the cybermen in the first place and the decision to put the helmet on craig were both apparently choices that gareth roberts the writer made because he he felt that season six needed a classic monster, it oh, didn't so have one. We're just shifting the blame then, are we? Yeah, exactly. We're <laughs> passing the we're passing the buck down to the writer who apparently made these these choices. Mm. Um, but I kind of like and, and and with with the uh, putting the helmet on Craig, he wanted the audience to really feel like Craig could be converted, like this was potentially irreversible. And, and the reason I think that scene works is because we all have that feeling about babies crying right mm-hmm. even those of us who are not parents we're just fundamentally affected on some level by the yeah. sound of a baby's cry and it kind of fits with that whole thing about the doctor that we got in the uh, you know the clara episode uh, hellbent we went to where you know was it hellbent or basically he's threatening no it's face the raven he's threatening revenge on the whole universe and she says that'll end with the first crying child and you know it right, even right. the doctor isn't immune to that sound oh even so, uh, quite the reverse yeah he's, he's affected i, I would have anyway. loved i would have loved some sort of maybe uh way to tie that into the sonic screwdriver right which the doctor's explaining the sonic nature of it like but you know both of these mm. <laughs> babies and screwdrivers both work by uh sonic that's <laughs> <laughs> true Boy, do they yeah uh, so I kind of like that. It, it works for me. I, I know that it kind of plays fast and loose with with the Cybermen uh, mythology uh, written large. And um, I think if I were a larger fan of the Cybermen, I, I might be a little more disappointed by that fact and, and little find it a little harder to get past. But, but yeah, but I, 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 I again, I'll come back to what I said at the beginning. I, I did get past it this time around, which mm. is to say, like mm. I was able to better appreciate the the overall episode, which I think really succeeds. Yeah. Uh, overall and it's also like the it it to my earlier point it even though it might not be the best episode for hardcore fans flip it around it's an amazing episode for people brand new to the show like i would say yes. yeah 100 percent watch the lodger and watch closing time they're both really really fun and really give you like good character and good drama and uh you'll you might get hooked Watch out. I, yeah. You know what? I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned this in, in uh, one of our previous episodes that I usually use Blink as a way mm-hmm. to introduce new fans. I'm, yeah, I'm starting to wonder after this if the Lodger slash Closing Time are not better Well, and you introductions. can even, honestly, this is the thing, an interesting randomizer testing us. Like, I think mm. you could come into Closing Time mm. and get it because you kind of, yeah. like, you, you kind of understand from just from the first scene where he rings the doorbell. It's like, hey, we're old friends. Oh, I guess... This is a guy the doctor knows, mm-hmm. and you you like my daughter like, like my daughter's eight, but she she mm-hmm. actually watched it with me and and uh, my family as we as I was prepping for the podcast, and she was she was really liked it. And uh, wow, even, even that's the, interesting because you've mentioned that your daughter will will not watch new new who not, she'll not, not watch won't flux. Watch it. 
she's yeah. she yeah she hasn't been a fan of flux but she is she she will sometimes sit down and watch i think even though she's not as much of a fan of Doctor Who as me and my son, uh, maybe even my wife, she she knows that we like it, and she'll she'll sit and watch on various things. And this time, she was like, "Yeah, this is this was fun." And she even even that final scene, which is the you know the arc plot uh, bit with River, mm. um, she she was like, "Wow, can we watch the next one?" Like she thought that mm. was really really cool. Even though I'm sure none of the imagery made sense to her with the the <laughs> spacesuit and the lake and all that stuff, it was like, oh, this this is it's selling me on it, you know. But I think it was she was sold on it because the episode that she had just watched was super fun and right. really liked it. And then that imagery is really strong, and you have the nursery rhyme playing it over over mm-hmm. it at the end, and the little solving of the mystery of what is the TikTok goes the clock nursery rhyme. Turns out the last line is TikTok close the clock until river kills the doctor wow. which is really that sticks with you <laughs> take out tiktok fans yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it yeah it's pre tiktok i didn't even thought of that till this very moment um but i can i mean the, the experience that she's having there is kind of why i'm i'm almost jealous of uh kids these days being being brought up on new who because that is part of the joy of doctor who when you're introduced to it as a child is the sort of the psychedelic trippiness of the images, you don't even need to understand the story. In mm-hmm. fact, it's often worse if you do. <laughs> like, the case to us. <laughs> our last, on our last journey with Image of Fendal. Yes, uh, exactly. I mean, exactly. You watch Image of Fendal as a kid, which I didn't, but if I had, I'm sure I would have just remembered the glowing skull and the, the gold paint of the Fendal's mm-hmm. face. and uh, th- Those would have stuck, lodged in my head and been hard to dislodge. And uh, with, with this, you know, again, as adults, like, you know, season six isn't everyone's favorite. I, I hold a candle for it, but I can also see that it's kind of the whole thing with Lake Silencio and like, why is it an astronaut suit? And it's, it's all a bit sort of super convoluted and confusing. But as a kid, you're just like, wow, astronaut mm-hmm. coming out of the lake, you know, <laughs> that's wow, cool. trippy yeah, yeah. for a nursery that. rhyme over it and it just it appeals i think to that sort of psychedelic child mindset uh before our filters kick in and we learn what is and isn't a good story right yeah do you um is there do you think that bit at the end um i don't know is it too extraneous for the for the episode or is it um i, I think we're, we're coming to the conclusion that it actually kind of works just because yeah. you're suddenly overloaded with this, you know, crazy stuff. Even just after you've had this, as we were saying, the change of pace with the doctor visiting Craig, and then it's like you got you're just starting to rev back up right into that sort of season finale. But of course, we you, watch you it out are. of order, and we're not going to watch the season finale now, presumably. <laughs> I mean, we never know. The randomizer might surprise us. It but. might it might take us to another river episode, but I think that the, the thing that I always love about river episodes is they just give you another bit of the river story out of order, so you're mm. kind of used to that whenever River shows up as she does here in university robes, kind of you know they're, they're sort of trying to make her look a bit younger. She's only just become Doctor River Song, and she's super obsessed with the Doctor. Uh, definitely looks like young River in this, and that that totally works. Uh, even though you know we we can't really remember at this remove who madame kevorkian is and what that whole deal is and the- right and um i think you know she she has all these lines and she usually she has them i think in most of her appearances where she tries to assert a certain superiority like i'm 
five or even ten steps ahead of you. Like you think mm. uh, here, here River is just kind of hapless, so it's not quite the same as in when a good man goes to war. Uh, but they really pour that on that she is like evil mastermind, you mm-hmm. know, the eye patch and all of it. And she has the silence with her. It's mm-hmm. always fun for me to see the silence. They are one of my favorite monsters. Uh, and, you know, it, River does a great job of seeing them and then forgetting about them, uh, which is just a, a nice little touch there. And and also, you know, silence will fall when the question is asked mm-hmm. is used in this episode. And that's that's kind of a recurring catchphrase of, of season six and season seven, right? It isn't solved until time of the Doctor, uh, what that means. But the answer is actually given here in this episode and i hadn't this is one thing that i hadn't remembered about closing time Mm -hmm. and it chokes me up when it happened which is right at the end we hear stormageddon slash alfie's first words oh that's right and there's alfie's first words are doctor who (laughs) i thought it was just doctor no he says doctor who oh wow with it with a question mark at the end doctor who um and that is of course the question when the question is asked silence will fall nice uh, we don't we don't know this you know we didn't know that at the time because it was still a season away uh but the fact that moffat was evidently already thinking about that maybe and, and inserting it here although it was that wonderful thing at the end of the wedding of river song right where mm-hmm. he finds out what the question is we don't find out the context of that question being asked until time of the doctor. Right. Yeah. That, exactly. So, and, and what the silence was and what, what, mm. what that actually meant, yes. um, you know, the side when silence will fall. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was in this case, like, like the, 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 the thing at the end, obviously like it's everything I said, sort of revving up to the season finale. Um, but I definitely think like you kind of needed it almost because otherwise, um, well, you have the doctor sort of going off, but hmm. there's no punch to it, right? Like there's a, there's a, it's because it's throughout the episode. Like he's obviously, you know, very melancholy and very like, um, like, you know, he's got this dark cloud over him trying to hmm. think about or trying even not to think about like the thing he has to do uh, and to go off to die. Um, and then you, you, rather than ending on a somber tone, you end on this like, um suspenseful tone which um i think for doctor who i mean that's what you want to do right i mean that's like yeah, you gotta yeah. end with like the cliffhanger and, and we haven't even mentioned it but there's that you mentioned briefly the scene where he says goodbye to the kids and he's looking really sad and he's like i, I may tell him i was here to help and you have a sort of a little thing which might not work because it's a kind of a change for the episode and it suggests that we're watching a documentary right you hear the voiceovers of those kids many years later right uh saying basically they didn't realize that he this was the doctor's death right you know, it's they're layered on to make you think that this really is the end of the doctor's life yeah it's uh, also like <laughs> if you unpack that a bit like okay these are mm. kids in 2011 when yeah. were they interviewed by whom yeah. and yeah. for what exactly like i mean I, I i like the idea of some future time historian taking them out of time to interview them about the doctor and then, then yeah. putting them back in their time stream you know <laughs> with their memory wiped uh yeah. of, of the interview anyway uh, well, there's there's so many uh, things in Doctor Who that could do that, right? I, I my brain goes immediately to 
the uh, what was the Christmas episode? Twice upon a time. Oh, the silvery futurey thing. Yeah, the, called again? Wit- witness, witness. I think it was witness just or witness or witness or something. I think it was the witness yeah. program. It's just plucking people out of their time streams right before their death. Uh, so maybe it was that. Maybe it was taken from that. Or maybe, given that it's now 2022 and those kids will be adults now, uh, it is our job. We we have to go and fill in uh, for this thing that the doctor, the time historians that cover the doctor evidently forgot to do, which is interview these children. Sometimes you just, you know, have to be the Beethoven who's missing in the world. Right. I think we need to, we need to make this our mission. <laughs> You've got to, we've got to make the paradox happen or prevent the paradox. Exactly. We just, you know, it's all spelled out for us. Or maybe this is an early answer to the, the segment we have at the end of the show. Where is the Clara splinter? Ah, oh, wow. That's a pretty good one. Cool. Sure. The Should we cut that? What else do we have yes. to talk about? Maybe the Clara Splinter is the one who sort of keeps him going for 200 years, kind of nudging him into ever more fun things to do that won't necessarily debilitate him. Huh. Where's him on Clara? Track. So she basically mm. was, well, I think it's a given she was helping him out in those 200 years. Yeah. Um, Behind the scenes. But if she's if she's somewhere else, is she in the shop? Is she? Oh, I got it. Yeah. Is she so? So here's the thing. There's all these reports in the newspaper about yes. missing people, but it's such a local the story. She's the reporter. She's writing yeah. all that up to make Love sure it. it's noticed. She's there she's go. gone to Sarah Jane Smith for her journalism lessons. <laughs> there we go. Oh wow, I'm, I'm loving this uh, this either novelization or big finish adventure. Yeah, seriously, got we gotta do, we gotta do a whole big finish series called the Clara Splinter. All right, I like and, it. Clara's uh, the Clara's the reporter. Yeah, we've either got to just throw money at at, at uh, Jenna Coleman or uh, find a very good Jenna Coleman impersonator. Or she might have like deleted all the texts. There's at some point. This is something we didn't talk about. Maybe we should touch on, which is that there's this convoluted sort of plot contortion to make sure Craig has to have Alfie all the time. Yeah, and there's a there's a good line where he's like the safest place to be is alongside you, Doctor, because he tries to get Craig away from here because any sensible person who wants to look out for their safety would would flee. Um, but it, you know, I, I like that line because it's like a, a total like kind of reversal of that, and it's true. Like honestly, in mm. the TV world logic of Doctor Who, it is actually safer to be with the Doctor than to be some hapless bystander who's killed by yeah. whatever, whatever it is, the the monster or the, Earth, the Earth's crust getting penetrated or whatever. So um, that's awesome. Um, but then there's, they, they, they add to something that's a little bit unnecessary, which is okay, but they're like, oh, he can't reach any of the family members ostensibly because he told them all or they've all been told to leave him alone. Because mm. uh, he can do it on his own, and so they can't reach them. There's some line there, and I, I think maybe Clara is intercepting those texts and making sure he <laughs> needs to have Alfie with him at all times so that he can right. beat the Cybermen at the end. So the doctor can buy a papoose on his discount, his store <laughs> discount, which I love that line. Has the doctor ever bought anything on a store? Has the doctor ever bought anything before? We don't even know. <laughs> well, he tried uh, to buy but- that drink and planted a fire, remember? Venusian <laughs> money or something? Yes. Pretty, okay, pretty so funny he's, he's pretty pathetic at it, but apparently when he, he gets a store discount from working at the store, he just goes... Hog wild <laughs> buys a papoose for his best mate. He definitely goes uh, hog wild in this one a bit. Uh, okay, cool. Okay, so we figured out Clara. 
Yeah. A couple of a few things that she could have been at. What about what if the evil plot had succeeded, which <sighs> I don't I, I shudder to think about. Because I... as much as I love the Cybermen, I don't want them to <laughs> off Craig. Yeah, they they would have they would have offed him uh, for the evil plot to have succeeded. I think you need some way of uh, making sure that Stormageddon doesn't cry, um, or that which, when when he hands her um, he hands him to the shop woman there, I forget yeah. her name. She uh, makes a very wise choice of perhaps leaving to to calm the baby and mm-hmm. make sure they're sort of in a safer place, and so he can't hear Alfie. Yeah. Yes. Either way, it's Alfie can't be heard, and Craig so, submits to conversion. Maybe it is uh, the Clara Splinter who is making uh, Stormy cry in that moment. Hmm. Um, but we should we should definitely. So the shop woman is Val. Okay. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to Linda Barron who plays Val, uh, and she is. I didn't recognize her immediately. But she she has a long storied history in Doctor Who. She's actually she provided a voice for the gunslingers, I believe. The gunfighters. Uh, the gunfighters. Sorry, yes. She's heard as a singer in that. Oh, she uh, sang the 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 tune, yes. the OK Corral. I forget what it's called. Uh, the yes. The, wow. She sang she that. She was cuts, man. She was in Enlightenment. Okay. In nineteen eighty three, is Captain Rack. Captain? Captain Rack. Yes. Oh wow, she's a veteran. Yep. And now here she is again, just as... I didn't as... even know this. I, I did research. How did I miss this? <laughs> but the thing that really excites me and is going to mean nothing to you is that she played Nurse Gladys Emanuel in the sitcom Open All Hours, uh, which was a sitcom set in a grocer's and had David Jason and Ronnie Barker. And it's one of the most beloved sitcoms in British history. And she was sort of the, the unattainable nurse across the street that the elderly grocer was always infatuated with. Uh, wow. In quite quite a dirty minded way. Um, You're absolutely right. That means nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> all our British listeners are going, yes, open all hours, Nurse Gladys and her tights. Um, yes, there was a lot of, you know, she's always up a ladder, that kind of thing. <laughs> it, it was a different time. It was a different time, British sitcoms. But, but bless her. Bless old, uh, old Val. Uh, oh, Val. Uh, she's, yes. She's okay. wonderful. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that she's here. And and this is actually a nice segue into she. She's the one who uh, says it's keep saying it's it's okay, and it's it's actually nice to see a baby with its two fathers. And she's the one who who starts the confusion around the Doctor and Craig are actually partners. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, Pete. I know you haven't seen Eve of the Daleks, um, which has has just been broadcast. I've I've been urging people to watch it even if they haven't seen flux because i think it is one of the best standalones in doctor who history i'm going to make that claim right here and now wow it is of of a level of blink and and heaven sent like i i i maybe listen like i'd put it in that pantheon um love that episode uh but a minor spoiler that the the chemistry between the doctor and yaz kind of starts to come to a head in Eve of the Daleks. Well, really big okay then. What, what's going on at all? Should have held my have, ears there. Yes, the, <laughs> that's not because they're virgin ears. I just don't like spoilers. I guess <laughs> don't miss it. But this is another reason why the randomizer brought us here. I think is as Doctor Who is having its first actual on-screen same-sex infatuation involving the Doctor. Here is the first quote-unquote mistaken one. 
Mm. And is it is it really mistaken? I mean, you know, the doctor and Craig, they got some chemistry. I feel like they could they could be really good dads. Oh yeah. Together. They could. They they definitely have chemistry. Uh but I, I think they definitely were going for more of a bro kind yeah. of uh moment between the two of them. Uh it definitely like I was I made the comparison now I met your mother earlier. Um uh, that final scene, you know, the doctor strikes me, he's he's Barney and uh Craig is Ted. And that's, uh, that's, <laughs> I'm sticking by that, that analogy. It's working. Yeah. Well, the, the, it's interesting because they're also act, uh, Val asked them if they're married, mm-hmm. uh, which could only have placed it. Uh, right. There see. were a number of places, weren't that many places, but was it, uh, was it the UK one of them? I assume it was. It was. So in it, uh, this episode is 2011, right? right? Yeah. And same-sex marriage was only officially legalized in the UK uh, in 2014. Oh, so interesting. It wouldn't, uh, I, I guess you could go elsewhere and do it or wherever. You could have a civil partnership. But it, so that adds an extra uh, poignancy to to where Val asks, are you married? And Craig says, oh, it's just, it's just a piece of paper, isn't it? Because he thinks she's talking about him and his wife, uh, him and his partner, uh, right, right. whose name I keep forgetting. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's very much a kind of a a thing that Doctor Who was right in the middle of of, of making culturally acceptable, right, right, right. Whereas now, you know, with the Doctor and Yaz, it's so like you don't even think twice about it. Sure. Back back then in 2011, it was still something that you had to address. Um, and, uh, you know, how they did it here was kind of, kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. And I guess you could interpret Craig's comment as like, maybe he's just super chill, uh, yeah. super chill gay guy about whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, whether it's legal or not. Yeah. Um, or, or it's... you could sort of, if you really wanted to as a, as a Dr. Who fan, while it's in the Dr. Who universe, they have had gay mm-hmm. marriage since, you know, 2005 or whatever. <laughs> um, since there was, I don't know, some, there's probably some, target novel or virgin novel that would, <laughs> might have even made that uh made it made that claim that uh, well there, there's another is. idea for rtd is uh, uh, he can he can make the doctor go back and retroactively make gay marriage okay perhaps throughout the 20th century it would uh save a lot of lives wow um yeah impressive <laughs> a little deep there <laughs> um but okay so anyway we were we've i think we established what would happen on the if the evil plot had succeeded, which is pretty straightforward. I mean, basically the Cybermen win and kill them both. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's do, do they, do they keep going and kind of convert the whole planet from, from their humble beginnings? Well, if you take Jack Harkness's uh, at his word mm-hmm. in Cyberwoman, which is to say like, this is how it starts. What, you know, with just one and soon mm-hmm. like entire, uh, I forget what he's the exact analogy makes, but he's, you know, entire continents become converted. Yes. Like, Basically, that this this is how it would start without any um, proper resistance, and the Cybermen yeah. are quite good at this sort of subterfuge. In fact, it's their style because yeah. you know, from a logical standpoint, they don't want to waste you know precious resources, which is themselves. They just hide and hide and hide until they can't hide anymore, and they can come out in force. Um, so, if they keep doing that, and there's no one paying attention the way the Doctor is, I mean, they could probably have that entire city pretty quickly the the whole the whole i mean it's is it supposed to be in london i'm not even sure uh i actually we should just pause and point out that this was filmed in a department store in in cardiff Mm. 
um, late at night. Apparently, the crew got a bit loopy because they were doing shoots until 6 a.m. Uh, but also, the scenes in the house were filmed in a natural private house in Cardiff, which they just did because the family just gave over the house because they thought it'd be great for the kids uh, to know that a Doctor Who episode. How freaking great would that be? That would be so great. Oh, my God. Kids? I'm sure the parents were all like, yeah. you know what? Doctor Who was filmed in my apartment. You know, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, <laughs> Matt exactly. Smith is right where you're standing. That's right. They had to build an extra door uh, to, to for, for Matt Smith to smash through. Yeah. Uh, Good stunt, is, Matt. Yep. I mean, he didn't do the actual smashing through the glass himself. Damn it. But, oh, sorry. <laughs> you shattered uh, my illusion. Uh, shattered the illusions like oh, the glass. Oh, the shattered the, the illusion of the shattering. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's sort of a tricky thing. How could they take over one, one person at a time? Like, how far would it have to get before people start noticing? And also, let's not forget, Sarah Jane is currently active. Mm, true. Um, yep. Torchwood is active. Unit is active. You know, mm. Martha, Martha Jones is working for Unit at this stage, probably. Well, th- consider this. So if they actually do what they say, kill the Doctor and use him for spare parts, which presumably mm. would regenerate from, there's mm. a TARDIS out there in the town yep. that they could conceivably get access to. But again, these are pretty pathetic Cybermen, right? They don't really have access to much advanced technology, so how would they get in? Um, but if they were to get control of the TARDIS in some way, then all bets are off. Hold up, though. I, I think we need to go back a step to the Doctor being converted because... So they're harvested. Not gonna, ha- That's harvested. they said they would but, do. They would just use it for spare parts. But given that we are approaching the wedding of River Song, mm-hmm. where time breaks down because the proper death of the Doctor doesn't happen because River doesn't actually want to kill him, Right, she doesn't actually want to fire, right. and that's the reason that time gets out of joint. That would just happen earlier here if the Cybermen kill the Doctor before he's supposed to die by the shores of Lake Silencio. Oh, that's true. So mm. you don't have the Cybermen. Yes, you're right. So we we go just straight, go straight into, into it. Ch- Churchill inside a pyramid and everything being all screwed up and weird. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I hadn't even thought of that. That's true. What did happen though? Wait a minute. I have to think back on exactly what that did because what happened with time? Oh, because she she refused to. She refuses to shoot the doctor. And that screws up all of time. All of time gets messed up and it's all happening at once. Yeah, because that was a fixed event. Yeah. So I guess it so depends it if this trippy. is a fixed event too, but it probably is. I mean, if the doctor's dying, so... Yeah, the doctor man. has to die, and we we've seen how how fucked up things will get if mm. if he doesn't. So that just happens earlier, right? Even though he dies this way, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, it creates the paradox. Yeah. No, you're right. Wow, Cybermen would just all instantly disappear, or they'd all become like Egyptian Cybermen, you know, uh, or something. I don't know. This would be like a a pretty funny scene could even be a climax in some episode where someone's about to kill someone it's like wait a minute you know what is was this meant to happen and they 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 get into this kind of debate on like but what if do you remember like because like there's been so many we've seen it so many times even with um what's uh amy and rory when they jumped off the building you know that that screwed everything up for the the angels and that reversed everything so this kind of super dramatic moment where someone's about to die and they sort of start debating like well what What's going to happen with time? <laughs> uh, nothing. Yeah. Well, or everything. Or maybe 
the whole universe will get reset or maybe you'll die instead, even though I'm killing you. <laughs> like that'd be a pretty good, like <laughs> kind of back and forth, even if it's just for like pacing dialogue purposes. We do need more of that, more of that looper style stuff. Yes, in looper. Doctor Who, That's what I'm we? thinking. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a great, it's a great reference. Doctor Who always needs to get more timey wimey with it, which is, uh, again, not to spoil anything, kind of the reason why I love Eva the Daleks. Oh, okay. Just throwing, throwing out the... <laughs> throwing out too much, but it's my own fault. It's my own fault that I've been watching. All right. Well, this is it. I think uh, we are closing the book here on closing time. Um, and we should probably figure out where we're going next. So we let's, should. let's open up the randomizer. Let's activate it. Uh, the randomizer, activate of course, randomizer. as all pull to open listeners know, is consists of two parts. The Codex, which lists every single Doctor Who episode uh, in order. It is slightly different than the story lists you may have seen online in various places uh, because we can interpret things a little differently on what stories constitute a single story and which ones don't. And um, so feel free to have a look. Yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes. But then the other part of the randomizer is, of course, the true random element, the executor. Yes, for which we use random.org, which uh, uses atmospheric noise to generate a random number because computers are really, really bad at random numbers. So this is a true random number generator. And for the very first time, Pete, I've gone to random.org. I've entered a minimum number of one and a maximum number of 299. Booyah. Nice. And okay. We, in, in our codex, the Sea Devils episode that is coming next will be the 300th. I'm very excited to enter wow. the number 300 for the first time. Indeed. But cool. I'm ready. I'm ready, ready to go somewhere random in Doctor Who. So cue, cue TARDIS noise. All right. And, uh, Get your hand let's... over that big red button. Here we go. In... <laughs> I, I'm actually pulling a lever, but. Oh. Is it red? In, in my mind, in my mind, I'm pulling a big red lever. <laughs> you could, you could have just put your hand off the screen a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me know. Give me a countdown. All right, let's do it. Three, two, one. Could I have a lemonade? 253. Oh, wow. We're late again. We're new who? It's Let me find it. find it. In the forest of the night. Ooh, Capaldi we, again. Well, and it's it's seemingly no. loving these um, penultimate stories for the season. So this was ah. the next to last story before Dark Water, Death in Heaven, which of course... Oh my done. goodness. That's, wow, the randomizer just wants us to, to bunch up in this in this fascinating way. Yeah, I feel like the places we go, this is the thing I'm learning about the randomizer, Um the places we go end up creating sort of time gravity in our <laughs> in our journey. Like yes. it's really like we've gone to Capaldi so many times. Like obviously Capaldi is is the randomizer's favorite doctor. We get it. <laughs> um, but in, in addition to going to Capaldi a lot, we keep going to these or places around certain parts of the Capaldi era. So this is yeah. um, we haven't gone back quite to this season yet, but. We've been here before, and I'm sure we'll be there again, but in the forest of the night, yeah. Interesting yeah, one. Yeah, Capaldi's first season, he's still trying to figure out if he's a good man. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I remember having issues with the In the Forest of the Night the first time. It's going to be an interesting one to watch again. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, my brain is already working on reasons why the randomizer might have taken a save in closing time, but I will save that until next time. I remember this one. It's very sci-fi. 
<laughs> so I'll say this whole season, I remember with with Capaldi, a lot of big, big ideas, big concepts, which might big, be big a scale. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to journeying into the forest with you next time, Chris, and with everyone else listening to here uh, to this podcast on Pull to Open, which is of course a podcast, as I just said. And if you uh, missed it at the beginning and you're not subscribed for whatever reason, please subscribe. But also, more importantly, please leave us a review. We love those reviews. Keep them coming in. Five-star reviews we love the most, but write whatever you like. And uh, whatever you write, we'd love to read it out on air, even if it's just a thumbs-up emoji. So go ahead and leave it. <laughs> um, yes, indeed. Keep following us on the socials. As we were saying, we are super active on TikTok. Keep uh, following us there. Keep loving the videos. Keep commenting. We love the discussion. Uh, we're pull to open on TikTok. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter, both at pull to open 63 um, and that is all we have for you today, everybody. Keep following us. Keep reviewing us. Uh, keep closing up those shops just in case there are some cybernetic beings inside doing some stuff and, after and, hours. Uh, yeah, and do let us know. We, we, we should mention that we've, we're kind of experimenting with an every week schedule at the moment. That's true. We've, 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 we've done closing time in record time. <laughs> and uh, here we are again. I think, I think we're going to maybe try and do this in the next week. So we yeah. pull to open in 2022 is getting more frequent. So uh, please tell us if you like that increased frequency. Uh, or if you'd like us to slow down, you're like, hey, whoa. <laughs> Can only listen to one episode every other week, guys. Let us know. That's fine. Put that in your review. Or feel free, if you're having trouble finding time to listen, send us a list of the podcasts you listen to, and we'll tell you the other ones to junk. The ones that you could throw out. No, no, you don't have to listen to that guy. That He doesn't know what he's talking about. You, you know, yeah, we, uh, we can do a TLDL for you. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we can do... We'll, we'll do Joe Rogan in one minute. You know, <laughs> just talk a lot about how you shouldn't get the vaccine some shit like that um <laughs> you know just yeah easy, tell us tell us easy. what podcast to summarize i know shooting fish in a barrel <laughs> uh, tell us what podcast you want to summarize we'll do it on the show that'll give you more time to listen uh but thank you for listening to this all right guys thanks so much we'll see you next time